spokenly. He lurked in the shadows, waiting and hoping she wouldn't take a different room. This was her usual room. He knew that. He knew her. Ghost of Me, the new book by Amanda Steele, can be found at Amazon, Kobo, Waterstones and many, many other places. Spokenly. Hi guys, it's Andy N. Thanks today for downloading or streaming yet another episode of Spoken Label. As you may or may not be aware, Spoken Label was started in the beginning of 2006, and currently we have well over 150 sessions recorded and sent. Although you can find it on various networks, the full archive is available for streaming and downloading at Spoken Label. Full stop, bandcamp.com. It is a free download or free stream in there. But obviously, if you feel like chucking me a few pennies that way, it would be eternally grateful to help me keep this podcast going and keep improving my equipment, etc. Enjoy. Speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Spoken Label. Hi, guys. Andy N. Spoken Label. Back in the house. We're on Zoom again today. I've got a wonderful gentleman with me today. And I've been looking forward to this podcast with gentlemen since I booked it about a month and a half ago. Because he's a character. He really is a character. And what I've seen of this gentleman, he sparkles when he comes on the poetry nights because he's, he's just so friendly and funny. I've got Richard Harris with me today. Now, Richard, would you like to introduce yourself to everybody? Tell them who you are, of course, where you're to come from, and what started off your creativity. Hi, well, I'm Richard, um, and it's Harry's with an E in the end, like Davis Davies. Oh, um, I'm sure I'm right, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, no, you, you said it You said it fine. It's just if people are Googling, they need an E in the end, you know. Um, and um, I originated in Harrogate. I've lived in Yorkshire all my life. I lived in Harrogate till I was 19. Then I thought I was wildly brave because I moved to Leeds. You know, now people go to Australia and Zambia and all sorts of places. And uh, <laughs> I thought it was a big deal. Um, and um, I lived in a little town called Morley and in and around Morley. Um, I got married there and we had two kids uh, and we now have two grandkids. And... Um, for 40 odd years, I was in uh, Morley and then uh, retired to Withensea. So I've gone from North Yorkshire to West Yorkshire to East Yorkshire. Um, and I've, I've missed out south. I don't think I'll be moving again. Um, and uh, around the time I moved here, or maybe a little bit before, so that would be 12 years ago, uh, just as I was retiring, I wrote, was challenged by people at work to turn uh, Wordsworth dog um daffodils into some doggerel uh, and to make it amusing about a contractor that we had hired that was meant to be doing grass cutting and it was a disaster and i did that um and i got ama- i had people that i barely knew emailing me and texting me from work um and not long after that Uh, My boss, who was a lady, uh, went to uh, Paris, went up the Eiffel Tower and came back and told us this story about how she got engaged on, he proposed on one knee at the top of the Eiffel Tower. Now, I work for the Sustainable Development Unit and to them, the worst thing you could do was send 100 cards. So we just had one card from the office uh, and I wrote a poem in the middle of it because I'd listened to what Louise had said about this proposal. And I got this overwhelming 
overwhelming response. Everyone in the office, I had like 56 emails and I'm thinking, wow, wow <laughs> I, I have a little talent I didn't know about. I'd always written reports and things for work. And I, I used to work for a record label writing sleeve notes for, for reissue wow. CDs. Wow. So, um, that was freelance, and I worked for about five or six labels. But or it was old, older stuff, Sandy Shaw, Helen Shapiro, that sort of thing. Um, and um, so I just thought, well, I've got this talent. I'd better start writing some, and I did start writing them, and I had no idea why. And when we got to Withensea, um, we were we went to a, a folk club, um, and I realised that various people were doing spoken word. Um, but it wasn't their own. It was people like Kenneth Williams and Maria Edgar who wrote, you know, Albert and the Lion and things like that. And they didn't say, this isn't mine. They just did them. And I thought, well, this is a bit odd. Um, uh, I could do my own stuff here. And so the next time we went, um, I stood up and did some of my very early poems and I was immediately invited to an open mic. Well, I didn't know anything about all the open mic system. Um, went to the open mic the following week, was invited to a working men's club in Hull. And from there uh, was invited to the Freedom Festival. And eight weeks after I stood at a folk club, not knowing really what I was doing, I was standing in a huge tent at the uh, Freedom Festival reciting poetry. And they'd heard one of my early poems Pirate Izzy, which is about my granddaughters. Well, and we'll ask you about that like, next actually as well. So we'll come on to yes, that in a minute. No. Yeah. Right. Well, well they got this plan in Hull in the centre, all the phone boxes were marked. And if you went in them, you picked it up and you heard me reciting Pirate Izzy. Um and it, so it was eight weeks from walking into Kingham Folk Club to being a voice on the Freedom Festival and it, it was just astonishing and surprising. I had no idea about all the scene and I got into it very quickly and from then on um, have been at festivals particularly. Um, I start at Filey Folk Festival the first weekend in May and I, I'm booked for festivals usually um, until the second week of September. And wow. my wife would go on and block off one weekend and write something silly. And I said, what's this? She says, we're not doing it. We're not going anywhere. <laughs> no. Say no. So that's me. <laughs> yeah, I can believe that now when you're Richard there. Well, you do, you are, you're a real character, definitely, with that. So you can see, like, obviously, like said then, people look around, you can see how many festivals you've been in. You've done so, you do so many. I can see that straight away. But tell us about the first poem then. Pirate Izzy if your granddaughter in because I've read about it. Was or was it? It says on your on your website. So in stairwell books, it was your first poem. And I'm presuming it wasn't then. If that was the case, well, it, must, it was a very early one. It was certainly amongst the first five. Um, but I was asked this um, at um, a launch event I did, and I think I think probably the first poem I wrote one was a silly little one about my neighbour's cats. But Pirate Izzy was the first major poem where i mean i got really good applause and people like what i did but you know the sensation when they're stomping the feet and going ah you know and they just love it um and uh, pirate izzy was the very first oh it was the first poem i put on youtube i have a youtube channel oh, which is right. a which is a fairly major presence it's had about one hundred and forty thousand hits which is 
you know, a lot, isn't it? Um, Rather. I, I, I was... <laughs> I was amazed when I went over a thousand. I've now got, I think, 48 poems that have had more than a thousand, and one of them's had about 7,000, you know. But uh, which for a little poet in Withensea, I mean, if it was the Stones issuing a, an undis unreleased track from 66 i think it might get 147 million tra uh, hits but you know so I, I'm, I'm not thinking that um i'm a global star it was funny the local paper did put richard has gone global and that was because i happened to say that i'd had one hit from finland and three from vietnam now <laughs> that is not a high proportion of the population of vietnam um, but it's amazing what the press can do when you you have to be very careful what you say, you know, because he, they were claiming I was a, virtually a global superstar because they'd had three hits. Oh. <laughs> yes. But so Pirate Izzy was the very first one put on YouTube. And uh, if, a, if a poem, it's had about, I think, 900 hits. And if a poem passes Pirate Izzy, I always think, oh, that's a hit. If it's, if it's beaten Pirate Izzy. And it, it's, it started when my granddaughters were... Um, about four and three and um it was one of their birthdays and their dad was cleaning the wooden floor with one of those spongy mop type things you know uh, and so we got on the sofa to get out the way and then we started playing pirates and the sofa uh -huh. became the boot and we re in in our time we have rescued every cushion in both their house and ours and every soft toy and all sorts of things there are now six piratesy poems um they they save santa from you know um a rabidly mad rudolph who's got ill um and they save the easter <laughs> bunny on another occasion um and they've all done well on youtube and people really love them you know and they're, they're all except for the latest one uh, because they're now 11 and 12 and uh, too old probably to pay pirates. Um, yeah. But officially, um, officially, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, so, and also I had a new hip. So there was a couple of years where I couldn't let them jump up and down on me. Uh, and so that sort of <laughs> broke the cycle. Um, and, um, but all of them are really based on, I mean, I fantasize them, but um, they're based on what we did, you know. I mean, there's one where we rescue Teddy from the sea. Well, he, the, the sea is the floor and he'd fallen off the sofa. So is he dived and uh, and pretended to, to rescue him? And so, I mean, they're just fun, lovely, grandparenty, parenty things, you know. Yeah. Oh, cool. That sounds great. Fantastic. Now, what I want to ask you about today as well, obviously, because we're here to talk about your book, really. But there's a couple of things I've noticed you've been called before. I want to ask you about this before we start. Where it says on stairwell books, you're also often known as the bard of Withersea and the or the activist poet of Hull, having written for the Action of Hull group. Can you tell us a bit about both of these, then, first of all? Yes. Um, well, it comes out of Piratizzi. I had written Piratizzi, and I think the second adventures of Piratizzi. And about that time, there started to be a um, pirate festival in Withensea. And also there's one in Hull. And because I had written pirate poems, um, they invited me to star there. And I appeared at the um, Withensea Pirate Festival for, I think, four times. Um, wow. And they called me the Bard of Withensea. And they kept announcing me as the Bard of Withensea. And 
it kind of stuck and people call me it um i i, I don't object and I, I don't promote it or anything but i mean yes i usually get called that um and there is a bard of holderness which is the general area you know and he's different um and excellent um, and he is a, a a songwriter and sings folk tunes and things um then the activist poem poet of Hull, um i got involved in several um rallies about helping refugees and i did um some events to help raise money for refugees who came to Hull that had no english and we provided interpreters for them um, and then the Wilberforce Society asked me to um, help um, uh, fundraise for um, the illumination of the we've got a huge statue in Hull and it is of Wilberforce the man who illuminated the world by helping to get rid of, uh, of slavery and they won't put a few light bulbs around him so we are trying to get that illuminated so it's like a beacon at night uh, Lord Lyne building, uh, which is a historic, um, brilliant old maritime building, is now falling down. It's um, subject to many campaigns and the Action for Hull um, asked me to write a poem about it, which I did. And they had this event in this marvellous old undertaker's place, which is meant to be the most um, haunted in Hull. And when I wasn't there doing my poem, they had filmed me. And so they had me as a hologram on a wall. Now, there's not many people come on and say I was a 24 hour hologram. And, <laughs> um, and, and there were various other campaigns that I got involved with. And I was asked to go and perform at the Red Shed readings at Wakefield, which is a great honour. And I was really blown away. And when I got there, I was announced as the activist poet of Hull. And I thought, well, I'm glad I've got to send. I had one. I had one serious poem with me. Um, I think about Beverly Gate in Hull. We have this place, which was the actual first place that uh, King Charles was refused entry. Um, and we had the armory here, so it was around heads and cavalier type thing. And when they were excavating for a shopping centre about 20 years ago, they discovered the actual uh, gate, Beverly Gate. Now, if this was in York or Beverly, it would be protected and it would, um, you'd have a tour guide taking you around it because it's Hull. They were going to concrete over it and put some hot dog stands on. So we had wow. to fight for that and it's now been preserved and it's brilliant. So people power. Uh, so because of things like that, and there were, there were, there's lots of others, I do get involved and I get asked to be involved. Um, I helped at a drug rehab place. Um, and so, um, it appears that some people call me the activist poet of Hobart. As I say, when I went to Red Shed readings, I thought I was glad. they didn't tell me they were going to call me that because uh, uh -huh. I, I could have just I could have just been doing poems about burping, farting, and falling downstairs for all day. You, you know, not very activist. <laughs> <laughs> no, it may not have been the best set, best set that I've ever actor is poet Richard. Look, that's one, how so. it's happened, and I, and I don't object to them, and I don't really. Own them exactly. If I get caught that, I'm fine. You know. Yeah, yeah. And of course, it just—I think it's the way it goes. Sometimes that like, people call you things like that, and it's not an insult. You just get a bit taken back sometimes. And I think when you're that respected, I, I'm always a believer. 
take it definitely so sounds great so right okay. i'm sure that both of them meant it in a friendly loving way so, yeah yeah, you know, yeah. Fine. no i can believe you straight there's no no malicious at all with that actually i'm out of that okay now i want to talk to you today about your book actually as well because as we've hinted at before you're yeah oh now we're only on audio today well, if people will see oh. that Richard's actually showing his book up at the moment. <laughs> I'm, waving it around. I'm waving it around, hopefully. <laughs> That's your best way, mate. Now, did I read this correctly, Richard? Is this your debut book? Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, and I, I am, in a few weeks' time, 69. Oh, now, really? And um, the thing is that... I'm, I'm not an expert on this, but I, I don't know to any other poets of my age who are getting their first book. You know, the older poets that are pu publishing have been publishing sometimes for decades, you know, um, and I am blown away completely and very, very grateful to have this book out. It's just stunning. Oh, yeah. Now, I know, obviously, you it's through Rose, Rose Drew's publication stairwell books so tell us about that then first of all how did you meet um rosen well i appeared at the york literature festival and she was coordinating the event and i wrote a poem called a tale of warning for men and it's about my experiences of um male breast cancer i didn't have it but i had a scare so i had mm. to go um uh, to the hospital have all the procedures you know um and um it was an event with lots of poets some extremely well-known ones and really good ones and i was honored to share a stage with them um and i performed i think three poems one of which was a tale of warning for men and at the end of the entire event rose said wow and she's american i can't do american accents but wow um this has been a marvelous day you've all been fantastic wasn't richard's poem about male breast cancer stunning wow and i expected her to carry on and say andy's and amanda's and mary's and fred's <laughs> and she singled me out and i was absolutely stunned um, and I've just realised I don't have to look at the camera now. I've been looking at the camera rather than you. <laughs> um, and so that. when we were having nibbles and a drink, you know, um, I went over and said, oh, would you like to, if you like my poetry so much, would you like to publish it? And she said, no. Um, and I said, oh, right. Um, and I go to a lot of events in York. It's, it's a, an hour or something from us, and it's a really brilliant place. Uh and it's been in my life all, I used to live in Leeds and go there, you know, went there from Harrogate and uh, my daughter lived there for a long time. And um, so we habitually go to, to to York and you meet Rose and you perform for at her events. And um, we had various conversations and she said, you know, how do I know you'll sell? I'm a small independent company and I, I you know, blah, blah, blah. And um, so I was kind of, Hopefully, I've been talking to other companies trying to get them interested in getting nibbles, you know. Um, and then at Easter 2019, um, I was invited to appear at a community centre in the middle of Hull, back near the railway station. Um, and I went along. And when I went in, um, somebody said, you must be very flattered to be asked here. And I said, 
well, I'm always flattered to be asked. He said, don't, don't you understand? This is a youth culture event. And I'm 69 shortly. Um, and, and there were big pictures hand-drawn by a local artist, a student, and I was presented with them. And there were posters of me and there were six acts on. And she said, haven't you been told? Um, 18 to 20-year-olds went out round gigs in Hull and brought back 30 names of people they thought were great. And then we'd trace you all on YouTube and watch you, and they voted. And the six that were voted for are here tonight. I said, now I'm honoured. And when I went into the green room, um, I was the only person over 25. They thought I brought um, the biscuits and coffee in. They, they were saying, have you, have you come without the snap? You know, where's the drinks? old man are you the cleaner are you the caretaker and there were rap bands and also it wasn't poetry i had no other poet i had been selected so i don't know what they'd seen um and um i only found i'd been booked for about six months i only found out on the monday when i got to this email saying please do come early for the bbc sound checks and I said BBC, oh, and it was on BBC Radio Humberside. It wasn't global or anything, although you can get the internet everywhere. My nephew in, in Munich listened to it. But um, I was on, with, I don't know if you know Kofi, Kofi uh, Smiles, who is the great success of the City of Culture, and he's now a DJ on um, uh, BBC Radio Humberside. And he um, introduced us all, and I had 20 minutes um, and gave it my all, and the next day, Rose contacted me and said, now we'll publish you. Yay. So that's the full story. Really? <laughs> so, and it was lovely that it came from her rather than me just nagging, as I had done. She keeps <laughs> telling people I wore her down. But she now does actually say she's glad I wore her down. Oh, definitely that. Now, I'll say, um, why, the, why is the book called Awakening, then, first of all, then? Well, um, Awakening is a poem, and it's about um, a large stone, a boulder, that wakes up and looks at the planet and sees the destruction that has happened since last year when the dinosaurs were. And it wonders whether to cause a volcano and destroy mankind, but decides um, just to go back to sleep for a couple of million years, that mankind will manage to destroy itself. And I got such stonking um, reaction to it. And I had a friend, um, well, he's a fan. It's strange saying he's a fan, but he follows me around and comes to all my events. So, you know, I mean, he, he's a fan. He drives miles out of his way, you know. Wow. Um, and... Um, he sent me an email, which, if it was printed off, would be like four sheets of A4, raving about this this poem um, and saying how important it was and it should be on every ecological site and every, Brilliant. you know, uh, Save the Planet site. Uh, I should tell Greenpeace about it. And he just completely overwhelmed me. And I thought, wow, um, this is a good title for the book. And also, I have a, a really good mate who I do a lot of open mics and raise money for the new Withensee Pier. And um, I also am deputy chair of a festival called Withstock. And one of my closest friends on the planet is a brilliant singer-songwriter. He can whistle. 
He can do anything. And he is a fantastic artist. So I let him loose on this picture of mankind in destruction and the big boulder. And uh, and it is a stunning uh, cover. So, um, yes, because there's a, a brilliant poet in Hull called Catherine Scott, who is who is published um, and. I went to one of her events and she held up her book and it had a big picture of a cockerel and she has a very funny poem about this cockerel that attacks her. Um, and she said, you need to get an image from one of your poems to really make the book attractive. And I thought, well, this is, uh, I've got people raving about this saying how stonkingly wonderful it is, what a brilliant poem it is. And it just seems to suit the cover. So um, I thought that's why I cho chose it. Yes. Brilliant. If I look at it, it does look a fantastic book, what you've done there. Now, is it correct then that the book is a selection of your poems that you wrote over the past 10 years or so then, is it? Yes. Um, yeah. I, I looked at my poems and I chose a pool of about 80 that I thought were... I don't know whether... I, I don't think I mean best. I mean things that really moved me. Uh, and I wanted to read a very personal book about, because I, I, can't, I can't write if I'm bored about a subject. I can't get somebody to come and say, you know, write to me about Tai Chi or something. Um, I, 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 if I'm moved, if I'm angry, happy, joyous, furious, enraged, Whatever, I have to be moved and then I can write. Um, and um, so I chose things that were um, important to me and I tried to represent all that I do because I write a lot of children's poems. I write historical ones. Um, I write very angry political ones. I write very daft, silly situations. You know, comedy ones, which are, you know, basically most of them are true about my life because my life is a disaster area anyway. So you <laughs> don't have to make up much that way. You know, I write fiction for, for some, but um, most of the anecdotal comedy is just, you know, documentary true. Brilliant. Brilliant. So I tried to represent it all, you know, um, and I did, I selected a historical one, which, um, uh, I mean, some people, I don't perform them much because, you know, you, if you're in a pub and there's 50 people, uh, 35 of them may not know who you're talking about. But um, this one, it does relate to now. So I felt it was good to put in. So I, I put one historical one in. Yeah. And the, the other thing, I do a lot of comedy and obviously they can't see me, but I wave my arms a lot. I talk with my hands and um, I pull silly faces and things like that you know um so i was very worried about comedy so i only put two comedy ones in um but people have loved them so they work on the page but i didn't know that you know <laughs> um you, you, you have to it's, it's like when you write some poems you you don't know I don't do any that I think are awful. I do write awful ones. I bin them, you know, I mean, but um, some don't work out. But um, you can perform two or three poems on on a night that are new, and one of them will go down ecstatically. And you think, oh, wow, that one works better than the others. The others are good, they're nice, but this one is cracking, you know. And, and likewise, until I've got reaction for the book, I didn't know whether the comedy in particular would work on the page, but it does. Oh, cool. Now, 
I've done a couple of things on the talk today about cover on Richard for let me review poems out for us. Is I know obviously under lockdown, you tell me off mic before, obviously, like, like all of us, you've struggled with, haven't you? Because your granddaughters had to set you up with equipment because you do readings online. Tell yes, us about that, well, Kevin. It's a lovely story that you told me before. Well, well, what is odd is um the moment Johnson announced lockdown and of course until then we all thought it wasn't going to be as bad as it has been um firstly our central heating failed within an hour and we had no no hot water um so the very first person to enter our house was a plumber um and then um i realized that um the zoom facility on my laptop um after about seven minutes of listening, the volume lowered and lowered. And so I had a sound card issue. Well, normally you would just drive to PC World and get it sorted, but you were locked down and you would, you know, um, I have an immunity issue. So we yeah, could. So I couldn't join in any Zoom meetings. Now, there were some that you could send a video to. So I did that, you know, to keep in contact. Um, and when my uh, 11-year-old granddaughter um, realised that um, I was a bit stranded. And, of course, I was on a, a 15-year-old um, Tesco mobile, which was pay-as-you-go, and all you could do on it was was call and text. Oh, my, um, dad's, and, my dad's got one of them. <laughs> and it was held together by sellotape. So um, my daughter and her family um, got me this posh um, QAE, Um, thing that does everything um, and they set it up so I've got everything on it and some of these things I don't even know what they are I've never used them (laughs) Uh, that that many apps and symbols Um, so so that was then posted to me and then this Christmas this I'm talking to you on um, is a portal and it's really really good um, and I, I can get to any meeting on it and and hear everyone so clearly, so it's good. Um, so yes, it's a, it's my my family, my granddaughters have sort of sorted me out. <laughs> yeah, it's families are very good at that, definitely. Because I've not got down to go see my dad since this year yet, but I've got an eleven year old nephew from his sister, and now he's twelve now, and he's gone along fixed with dad's mobile. He has and got him set up on Zoom as well. So families are good for that, definitely. So yeah, now, well. We have some very good neighbours, and the lad is 14. And um, it's only just this weekend that he's been allowed to come over. He was he, he was staying with his dad in Hull, his mum's in Withensee. And so he's coming over next weekend if there's any decent weather and it's not snowing. And I keep sending him messages, and he's got a great long list of what to do. And, and I'll slip in some money, and he will have everything sorted because I've got various things that you know. My for some reason I'm on Windows 10, and all the videos have moved. I can't find them. Yeah. He'll find them in two seconds. There's no point me spending two hours looking for them when he will come here and go, <laughs> and and yeah, found them have it. Totally. It's like in normal times if if I'm in a a cafe or something um and something's gone wrong with my mobile uh, i would just turn around and look around and say young person any young person here and they just sorted in two seconds wouldn't they you know yeah yeah no, that's true that's true i can agree with that one now um obviously last thing last thing what one i want to talk to you today about richard i know you've just started getting provisionally 
taking bookings again for festivals, haven't you, at the moment? Yes, not with any great belief that they'll happen. No, I, I mean, I'm sure Joe Johnson and co um, are um, quite capable of just changing the rules two days before they happen. So um, um, uh, one of them is not with stock, um, but it's um, uh, just something that we're trying to organise for the town. We don't want it to be known as with stock and have 10,000 people come here. We don't Ooh. want that. <laughs> Not this, not so, this year, not this year, no. It's, it's, it's almost a secret, and instead of a huge marquee, I'm having an upstairs room in the community, community centre, and we'll all be socially distanced, and and the regulations will be looked at. So that's happening, and I've been booked for a cafe event, because the only event that I've done since March 2020, um, in summer we were allowed to to socialize weren't we uh, we were allowed to go out for a few weeks between lockdowns and in august um having been cocooning i was invited to do a beach event um wow. and that was 10 o'clock at night reading Ooh. by the light of a bo huge bonfire wow um and oh, wow. that's the only that's the only event i've done and i took a fold-up deck chair and wow. a um, um travel rug and sat on it, and I said, this travel rug is my space, no one come near. So I, I socially distanced and didn't go anywhere near anyone, which was very difficult because I'm a very sort of tactile, huggy-type person. You know, it's... Uh, oh, yeah, it's completely. Natural. Completely, yeah. And um, so it's really, really, really difficult. Um, but... Um, so that's the only actual event I've done. But I've said I will do this cafe event if he can make it outdoors and socially distance and things like that. Um, and I am starting to get inquiries. And I've been I've been offered one in autumn, which I haven't accepted or anything yet. I still want to see what's going on. But yeah. I've been there at this festival for seven years. So they'll have me whenever that when it, if I make myself available, I'll be fine there. Right. So fingers, fingers crossed for you that in all of them now. Last thing, Richard, of course, before we get into you, a few posters, is if people want to find out more about you, where are the best going? Well, if they want to find about yeah, the book, find out more about stairwell, first of all, the book, stairwell yeah. books, yeah, or, or they could also Google Richard Harry's book launch event, um, which um, is on YouTube and it's had. 240 hits, which is amazing because it's an hour and a quarter long. And I think you've got to want to watch it to see it at that length. Um, yeah. Or, or if they want to look at my poems, RC poems, that's Arthur Richard C for Charles poems, all one word are on YouTube. They've had about 140,000 hits and there's about 300 of them on. Um, so um, you can browse that. And if you fancy, um, just look at the title, something like Modern Slavery will, will appeal to people, something like um, the, the Deathbed Thoughts of Car Catherine of Aragon will only appeal to the people who want to watch it. So, you know, um, there's all sorts and you can just look through it. On Facebook, the, my story poems for children are all the children's stories together. Um, and... Um, yeah, so I'm on, I'm on Facebook, Richard Harries, H-A-R-R-I-E-S, um, and there you go. So that's really how you find me. Brilliant. 
Well, that covers all my questions today, Richard. So we're going to take a quick break now. It's been brilliant today. I've really enjoyed this. Thank you. So Good. We'll, Thank you. we'll let you get composed and we'll be back in two shakes of eyes, everybody, when Richard's going to do a few pieces for us. So hang around. I love Richard's work. See you all in a minute. Spoke Hi, guys. Yes, we are still here with Richard. He's going to do four poems for us. Over to you, mate. I'm going to do a sad one, really. Um, I came downstairs one morning and turned the television on, and there was an image of David Bowie. Um, and I expected to be hearing about a hit album, a hit tour, uh, something like that. And this is called on David Bowie passing. So we had a new album out causing a fuss, getting rave reviews and a new single that was a huge success already too. He's been around so long, always changing, reinventing, always making comebacks when he'd never actually been away. My first memory of him is Major Tom, startling on top of the pop, so many brilliant things through the decades. He has truly touched the lives of millions and being adored, his music will last eternally. He will remain adored. Unique, no one like him, an ever-changing chameleon, visually, artistically, musically. I got up late, overslept, turned on the TV. Philip Schofield sat there looking sad, a picture of Bowie illuminating the screen. Oh, his album's number one, is it, I thought. And then the words announcing his death came. I could not comprehend this. I had been expecting a tour. My brain would not accept this dreadful news. It took a long time for the words to sink in. For me to accept this tragedy. A man to be mourned the world over. Leaving us far too soon. And you see, that's what I mean. I can write about things that move me. And obviously um, that was shock. Um, then a very recent one written in lockdown. I haven't written a huge amount, but some. Um, and this is called Friendship Hotel. Friendship is like a hotel. Some check in and are mean, negative, determined to complain, toxic, cut them out, refuse to let them book in again. Others check in briefly, would never be staying long, but firm the happy people, enjoy them while you can even if you know they won't book a return. Then there are those that arrive and they are there for a long time. Nurture them and have fun with them. They may not be there forever. And things and circumstances change. Enjoy them while they are booking in. Then there are, then there are <laughs> lifers, the true friends, the ones that are there for you. Have fun with you. But when you need them, they're always there in good times and in bad. Let them book in your life long and count yourself fortunate that they are there. I've got a very short little one that um, I'd quite like to do if I can. Oh, yes. Uh, this is a true tale. I used to be a school governor um, and um, the headmaster um, was very, very nice, but sometimes said inappropriate things. Um, and this is the headmaster's error. A new black colleague to meet the other governors at school. The head introduced me. This is Richard, the racist governor. We all looked aghast or laughed. He looked confused. What did I say? Well, maybe you meant Richard, the governor, 
with responsibility for race issues, said I, and told him what he'd actually said. I think that for one moment he wished he was dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's never you, that one, mate. That's never you. <laughs> yes. Now, one from uh, my book, uh, and it's you'll see why it's special to me, A Lesson Learnt. As a child, I did what I was told back then you did. But when I was 10, I was watching TV together with my family, as you did back then. Tennis was on Wimbledon. My mum, like Maria Bueno, said she was elegant, pretty, had class. A match was starting. Women's tennis on walk to short woman, not glamorous, not wearing lace like Maria Bueno. She walked on determinedly, defiantly, wearing colour. Only a wristband or something like that. A first Wimbledon. Rosie Casals, it caused a fuss. Shock, horror. She was sent off to change. She was timed. Something stirred in me. I learnt I could disobey. I could protest. Did not have to accept. Thank you, Rosie Casals. Tremendous. Okay. Um, should, we, should we do one more, Richard, then, to let, let you finish okay. off in one moment? Yes. This is my latest poem, and it's been getting fantastic reaction at open mics. Um, and it took me an awful long time to, to write uh, and research, and it's called George Stinney. In 1944, which seems so long ago, but it is within my sister's lifetime, and just eight years before I was born, in America, the land of the free, a 14-year-old black boy was executed for the murder of two little girls. He was placed in the electric chair, had to be seated on a large Bible used as a booster seat. He was so small. The girls were battered to death. Their bodies were dumped in a ditch. The boy was George Stinney. He had spoken to them that day as they passed his house. He directed them to where they could pick certain flowers. That is all that was proven. He was arrested and taken from his parents, allowed no solicitor, even though the Sixth Amendment guarantees him one, allowed no visits from his family. They could not agree on the description of the murder weapon and there was no blood found on George. At his trial, his counsel was a white politician campaigning for election in a town full of hatred where lynching was threatened. He cross-examined no one. George was alibied by his sisters, which they still swear is the truth. Yes, this is so close in time that some of the witnesses are still alive. The trial lasted just 81 days after the murders. Lasted one and a half hours. The all-white jury were out 10 minutes 1,000 whites packed the courtroom, not one black person allowed in. George was not allowed to see his parents until after his conviction in America, the land of the free. At the trial, they allowed discussion of rape and even necrophilia, even though post-mortems pronounced the girls to be virgins. The trial papers have disappeared, as has an alleged confession, one made by a 14-year-old boy deprived of contact with parents or counsel. They killed him with a too large hood that allowed the tears flowing to be seen. His dad 
was allowed to approach and speak to him just before he died. The only family contact he had had since his arrest. This was in 1944 in America. He was buried in an unmarked grave. 70 years later, the conviction was overturned for lack of evidence and for being tainted with racism. They never found the murder weapons. How could a child hide metal objects so thoroughly? He could not. A real murder ran free while they murdered another child. This was in America. George died because he was black. If anyone can't comprehend why Black Lives Matters, why we need to take the knee, they should research George Stinney. No one says other lives do not matter. What they say in America in particular, there is good reason to fear your early death if you are black. And that should never have been and can no longer be. Excellent stuff to finish off with that, and, Richard. And I have performed it three times and it's shorter than the time allocated, but I can't follow that with anything. No, no. <laughs> I say sorry, um, that, that's me for that's me yeah. for the day. And I can't and I can't start it with a funny poem and, and then go on to George. It's just not respectful. So no, that can't. is when I come on, I just do that and there's people crying and looking in shock and i didn't know about this case um i'm it, it's a famous case it's well documented but of course it ha happened before i was born and um it was only when george floyd died that i was googling away as you do um when something moves and enrages you and i this came and i just read it with incredulity and i thought oh 1944 is a long time ago then i thought hang on a minute my sister was here in 1944 wow. and I was at, you know um and she'd by no means well she's 77 but I mean she's very active she she's a minister and gets out and about all the time you know it's it's and and I I thought how would the community have been and how would the parents have been and a little seven-year-old girl alibying her brother and knowing it was the truth and then they kill him and she she will have lived with that, and she's lived to old age, and yeah, it's been tortured, tortured by there's, yeah. There's, yeah, there's another whole poem in that, isn't there? But yeah. um, yes, oh yeah. Anyway, so there you are. That's a, that's a, a bit of variety. I do children's poems. I do silly comedy. Do you want me to do a, a shortish comedy one? Yeah, do one more then. One more. Is, one more. To finish off with then. Yeah, that'd be good today. Well, yeah, it, this is one. This is not my most popular on YouTube, but my most popular in performance. I get asked for it every time. It's called Good Intentions, and it's true. I know my woman well. I'm able to buy for her just swell. I know what jewellery she likes. That's courage. You say, yikes. So yesterday I went into town. I did not buy a gown. No, I saw a blouse and a stole that matched. And it is my goal to try and please my beloved wife and be thoughtful throughout life. So I did what many men have not got the courage to do, but I looked at the sizes and I knew they'd fit my beloved one. So I did what I knew I should have done. I went inside that charity shop and did buy both of these great tops. Now, this was quite inconvenient for me because I could not now buy fresh, fresh veg for tea. In fact, I'd have to make a second trip to the shop to get enough food to chop so we could have some food that was so good. But this I was quite prepared to do, looking forward to the praise and appreciation that I was due. I got home and showed them off proudly. She to me did exclaim loudly, 
oh my, just why did you get these tops? They were complete flops. You should not have paid cash there. You, that was daft and rash. Go on, tell me why, said I with a sigh. Well, last Friday, I donated them, not wanting to wear them again. You were with me that day when I gave them away, and last but not least of all, you had the gall to not have noticed I, and again she did sigh, had been wearing them for the past four years. Honestly, you could drive me to tears. All I could say was, oops, and why I kind of remember them now. And I did that at a very posh little festival called Swanland, which is north of hell. <laughs> and everyone came in their Porsches and Daimers. <laughs> and um, at the charity shop line, I had this huge laughter for about 20 seconds, they stomped the floor and I thought they were going to fall off chairs because, of course, they'd never known anyone who'd gone into a charity shop, never mind it, admitted it. And um, so it's very difficult to remember where you are in the poem and the rhythm. And then afterwards, this little man in a very natly dressed with an Armani suit and a Valentino tie came up and said, I have a very similar uh, story. And I said, oh, do you? He said, yes. I spent £847 on a Hermes handbag for my wife, and, and she wow. didn't like it. And I said, yeah, that's very similar to me and four quid for carrots. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. So it kind of has become part of the poem, that little. Uh, oh, I just yeah. added it on. Because <laughs> it, it was compared, and who's got £847 for a bloody handbag? Uh, I mean, you can, <laughs> you can still snag it. You can still snag it, tear it, drop it, lose it, or you could, you know, spill on it. Wow. No, brilliant. Amazing. It's been tremendous today, Richard. Thank you today for this, mate. You've been a fantastic near hour of recording this, so I'm looking forward to playing this one back. So thank you again today, mate, for this. It's been a massive yes, and pleasure. And do feel free to edit, you know, and cut yeah. it down. Oh, a bit I will. Oh, don't worry. I will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, seriously enough. to talk to you. Yeah. When hang we around, mate. These... Hang around. I need to put the off mic anyway, so... But let's get the recorder recorded, finished, and I'll speak to you then, okay? So thank you again today, Richard. I've loved this. That's fine. That'll be really good. Thank you. The books are really fine. It went straight into uh, profit, and she's happy, and she's offered me more, so, you know. Rock rock and roll. Right, hang around, mate, okay? As Don Carlos says, guys and girls, stay safe and stay on. Spock, mate.